right, let's do it. Let's really do it. Welcome to Listen Closely with John and Chris. I am John, your co-host, and I am joined on this very special episode with Chris. Chris, are you there? I'm here, John. Chris, would you believe uh, this is the penultimate episode of season one of Listen Closely with John and Chris? Penultimate? You're pulling out the big vocab guns there. I know. It is pretty amazing, isn't that? Would you... Did you ever think would make it to episode number penultimate? I... I sh- I sure didn't, you know, and the uh, the haters, the naysayers, you know, what are what are they saying now, John? They never thought it would last. It didn't. It didn't. But I know you're excited to have a summer break after uh, next week's episode. So um, you know, let's let's move forward with this, right? Uh, this is very exciting uh, for for this podcast episode. We are going back to the year of our birth, Christopher. And that's 1977. And uh, the album is the incredible, the amazing Asia by Steely Dan. But yeah. before we put the spaghetti in the machine here, uh, I want to introduce our special guest on this episode. Because, you know, Chris, now and then we like to bring a third person into, into the mix. I, I always laugh when I say that. I'm sorry. But, uh, stale. I mean, nothing, you know, nothing against you, John, but uh, you got to spice it up and keep it fresh. You do. I'm okay. If, you know, I could just watch and I'll be okay with it. But um, <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> every time I, I think I know anything and every random tidbit of musical knowledge, I have a conversation with this episode's special guest, and I'm amazed at just how much more to know uh, there is out there. And uh, I've, I've known him for close to 30 years. And I want to go on the record, Chris, and to all our listeners out there is saying that if I ever have a stroke, which I think, let's face it, given my lifestyle, it's a, it's a definite possibility. Um, and I'm left with paralysis and weird speech patterns, like, you know, Dick Clark later in his life and career. Uh, this, our guest in this episode is the man who I would want to take my place on Listen Closely. Uh, in fact, I think the two of you would do a, a fantastic job without me. Uh, he is a walking, talking encyclopedia of 70s music and pop culture, and he's our resident Steely Dan file. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce our friend, Jim Moskater. Jim, welcome to Listen Closely. It's, it's great to be here. Uh, the, the, the staircase was just kind of steep as I came down for the entrance, but it uh, feels good to... Hey, congratulations on the penultimate episode, and uh, it takes a lot of bravery, I think, to look outside of a two-person relationship, so it's just... Uh, it's good to be here as you explore, so thanks. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. We're glad to have you. Thank you for being part of the exploration, and, and now would be the good time to say that, you know, it's penultimate episode of season one. We've been renewed for another season, but I mean, really, Chris, who renewed us? I think you and I just had a discussion and said, do you want to do another batch of episodes in the fall? And we're like, sure, what the hell? We have nothing else to do with our time. Yeah, I was like, it's a pandemic, so yeah, what am I going to do? Right, and it's getting bad again, so like, we need something to do. Um, so, all right, let, let's jump right into things. And, and Jim, I want to turn it over to you first. When, 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 Chris and I decided that we were going to do a Steely Dan episode. We were going to do an episode on Asia in particular. The first thing I thought of was, we need Jim in on this. So 
when you listen to this album, when you hear the name of the album, what, what comes to mind? Talk to me some, some thoughts about the album. <laughs> um, well, I mean, truthfully, what comes to mind is the eight, there's an 80s um, adult film star named Asia, the same spelling. Um, and uh, if you go, if you go deep enough in, in part of the expression in the Google image search, uh, you know, you goes beyond the um, Steely Dan covers and then you see Asia. Um, but she had a short career, I think four, four years in the eighties. Um, but yeah, Asia, um, you know, I, I came to Steely Dan, I guess, I don't know, maybe uh, I feel like you might've liked them earlier than I did, but the, you know, I think peg is like the entry point. It's the first thing I think of. Uh, cause that's the first thing I ever heard from it. Um, but yeah, it's like the, what do I think of, I guess is just, it's them that they're like most popular, I guess. Cause I think they, they, this, this sold the most records of all of their, uh, all their records or CDs or tapes. So this um, sold more than, than Empire Thrill, Countdown Ecstasy, Gaucho, any of them. I believe so. I mean, I got to talk to, to Irving Azoff. Um, but yeah, it says, you know, I think that it sold two, two million. In, uh, I think, the U.S. So, wow. yeah, so I guess that was the... <laughs> which is, I guess, you know, small potatoes compared to, like, you know, Big Dick Fleetwood Mac with the rumors in 76 or 77. And, you know, like all those big uh, big sellers, you know, Saturday Night Fever. Right, you had Saturday Night Fever, rumors, Hotel California. Right, right. Silk Degrees, of course. Right, so, but, so I guess, you know, like, comparatively, like, less... Not not as big a seller, you know. I think they're more of a. I don't think this is for everybody. Like Steely Dan no. is not for everybody. Uh, it's not. I guess whatever the fuck that means. But but I, it's, some people hate them. So I guess that's that's what makes me think that. Um, but this is sort of like you know like the beginning of the Jimmy Carter era. It's like January '77. It was recorded like into '77. Oh, yeah. right. It came out in the fall. Um, so you've got like, you know, it's like deep seventies shit happening here. It's like just you're, you're, and they're already, you know, they've got the big budgets, uh, as you know, as you have, as you see in the, you know, the making of the, the video, uh, making well, of the album. How many, how many musicians play on the damn Yes, album, that's so. exactly, exactly, exactly. So, so yeah. So I don't know. I guess this is them at like the top of their shit. Yeah, and I really critically. Which I know you'll talk about that. That's in the that's in the outline I see. Uh, so I don't want to take that. But but yeah, it's it's you know the the kind of uh, it's them at their pinnacle. Now whether that's truly you know in my opinion their pinnacle is that's that's a different story. But that's what we're talking about here, aren't we? It is. And now, Chris, what say you uh, in terms of uh, listening to this album over the last couple of weeks? As I know you have. Oh man, it's. Uh... It's an incredible album. I mean, it's it's a, they have such an amazing sound, and like, and you know, I know they. If we're saying they didn't sell as as many records as say Fleetwood Mac or you know Saturday Night Fever, but like, I, I'm impressed that it did as well as it did, just because it is kind of like this really nuanced, like it's really like this jazz rock fusion, and uh, it's amazing. But you know, I think it's. Like Jim said, it's it's not necessarily for everyone, um, but it's incredible. It's so it's such you know it's such great musicianship. I mean, the a lot of the musicians that they brought in for this are like super legit sessions musicians. You know, like um, 
you know, like one of the guys I looked up, for example, is the one of the drummers. Um, his name's Bernard Purdy. And this guy played yeah. with Aretha Franklin, the Rolling Stones, Miles Davis, Dizzy Gillespie, Quincy Jones. Um, wow. I mean, these were not just like, you know, uh, kind of goofy pop musicians. These were like legit uh, players. This was like the wrecking crew of the 70s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think this is Donald Fagan and the late Walter Becker at their finest. You know, I've always been a Steely Dan fan, but like both of you just said, their stuff's not for everyone. And, you know, their stuff, I think, can really be an acquired taste, kind of like Scotch. Um, And, you know, their early albums, some Countdown to Ecstasy, Can't Buy a Thrill, I used to find a bit more accessible because I think they're more straightforward rock and roll. And when I was younger and first getting into Steely Dan, that's what I would listen to. And I never went near Asia. But as I've gotten older, those albums don't do it for me nearly as much as Asia or the subsequent album, Gaucho, which I think are far more musically complex and just overall better albums. And, you know, these days, if I listen to Steely Dan, that's what I'm listening to. It's Asia, Gaucho, maybe sometimes Katie Lied. Uh, but I think Asia is sophisticated rock, jazz, funk fusion at its absolute finest. And, you know, some would uh, call it Yacht Rock, and it's Yacht Rock at its finest, although I would say it's a toss-up between Asia and Gaucho is what's the most Yacht Rock of uh, of Steely Dan. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just an incredible album, and you guys talked about the Sessions musicians, and it's kind of a it's – a, it's almost like a party album, but if you're at a party with a bunch of wise-ass eccentric weirdos, you know what I mean? Yeah, which that's kind of what it seems like like Fagan and Beck were. Like I saw there was a great documentary that I saw on the making of this. Oh yeah. And uh one of the guys is like yeah, when when Dom and uh and Walter are in the room like you know doing it, it's just it's like serious highbrow stuff. There's like there's no fart jokes when those guys are in there. <laughs> <laughs> so Upon its release, Rolling Stone magazine gave Asia five stars, saying that the album contains awesomely clean and calculated mutations of various rock, pop, and jazz idioms, and the lyrics remain as pleasantly obtuse and cynical as ever. And then they called Walter Becker and Donald Fagan the perfect musical antiheroes for the 70s. Um, in 2003, Rolling Stone released the top 500 greatest albums of all time list, and they ranked Asia at number 145. I don't know. I'd probably put it a little higher. Um, in September of 2017, on the occasion of the 40th anniversary of the album's release, Variety declared that the album is still among the most voluptuous-sounding recordings ever committed to tape. That's pretty high praise. Indeed. Indeed. So, mm. as with any album that we uh we do a deep dive on here we always try to find and nitpick something about it that we never quite liked or something about it that we just can't get into and that is the nadir of the album so jim we're going to put you in the difficult position as the special oh it's not difficult it's not difficult all right well then it's all you jim you take it away it's pretty clear i think on this album uh what it, it, I think basically, I mean, and it's funny because I was just on a Reddit 
looking looking at this, and it was like it was reading my mind. And and basically, it said, uh, yeah, "I got the news uh, get shit on unfairly." And uh, I'm here to say that the song "I Got the News," which is the uh, next to last song, the pen, the peen, penultimate uh, song. Way <laughs> um, to bring it back, Jim. On the on the album, uh, I just feel like, regardless of uh, the Michael McDonald vocal that <laughs> appears later in the song, uh, there's just something about it that has always grated me, um, and I just have never been able to go there. I have high praise for many other moments on the album, but that is, uh, that's a misstep to, to put it. Well, to put it again. So, so that's it. I mean, I think it's, is that, is that enough? I mean, I, Oh no, that's more than enough. And I'll tell I you, keep I'll tell going. you why. no, that <laughs> segue is kidding. <laughs> that segues perfectly into mine, dear, because, uh, you know, in some regard, it was almost like Meryl Streep and Sophie's choice. You know, there's only seven songs and I kind of like them all, but, for me, I went also with I Got the News. It's an okay song, but it's just not – I don't like it as much as the other. Not even close. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I think, I think, uh, I think we're on, on to something here. Chris, you want to make it three for three? Talk to us. Uh, I got some news, guys. I Got the News is the worst song on this album. Uh, All right. <laughs> this is the worst. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and it you know it pains me because I feel like nothing associated with Michael McDonald should ever be spoken of in any kind of ill terms. But uh, you know, it just it's like the one song like when I if I put this album on, I just kind of get into it, and I don't even I kind of like lose my sense of space and time and don't know where I am. And then that comes on, and I'm kind of like, oh, I think I'm going to skip this one. You know, it's like the one song that kind of takes me out of it. Wow! Look at that. I got the news. Not I'm, so good. I, I, I'm. That's really, really funny. That we're, I had a feeling. <laughs> I had a really, really, really strong feeling that that's what was going to happen. But uh, okay. Now, Chris, let's let's stick with you for a minute here. I, I want to uh, transition right into the sleep for a moment of the album. Uh, giving it some listening, uh, a few listens over the last week or so as you've done. Uh, is there anything that stuck out at you? Anything that surprised you? Anything that, you know, wowed you that hadn't previously? And why? Yeah. So to me, like the perfect sleeper is kind of like a little more low key song, um, you know, and one that's not as, as well known. And for me on this album, it's, it's home at last. Um, I just Great think, song. yeah, it's just a really like peaceful, beautiful song. It's got all of these like these references to the Odyssey in it, which I didn't even know at first, but then sort of stumbled on that, which is like so Steely Dan to have this like super intellectual, cerebral thing in there. But of course, it's a great, like really perfect, relaxing, you know, summer yeah, Rocky kind of song. Yeah, it's a terrific song. And it's really not a song that most people know. It's kind of, it's, it's the true yeah. definition of a deep cut. And, and it is a sleeper. I, I agree. I think it's terrific. Uh, Jim, what about you? What's, what's your sleeper I was, moment? I, I'm just going to, I was about to say the same thing, but just in the interest of keeping things somewhat varied. It, it, and the, the last, because I listened to it a few times over the last few days. So it's like, 
I, so I could get that fresh perspective. And, uh, you know, the first four songs of the album are just so fucking good. And <laughs> it's like, I had to go back and, and I'm a frequent Steely Dan listener. This isn't just some, you know, this isn't, this isn't a one night affair. Uh, this is a, this is, you want to talk about a long lasting relationship. Uh, so, so I'm going to say Josie just because it, it got my mm. attention. Um, yeah. In the yeah. last few times I've listened to it, um, and also because I, <laughs> I, uh, I just think the lyric, you know, I think it just reminded me of the fact of Steely Dan, where in a lot of cases lyrically you can you peel back, you can, you know, there's like three different interpretations you can go with. I mean, I know it's a little ridiculous, maybe in some cases, but uh, you know, so Josie could be, you know, about someone getting out of prison, someone coming home you know, from college, you know, it could be about crystal meth. Um, <laughs> you know, I just, I just went down this like, and I was like, wow, I've never really considered. Uh, so I don't know. And it's a, it's a strong finisher too on the album. So, uh, yeah. I'll go with that. I don't know. Josie's an amazing song. And, and one of the things I love about Josie is, and you, you just said it, Jim, it, it has all these different interpretations. And it, sometimes you listen to the lyrics and it sounds like, a very upbeat, happy song. Like they're celebrating somebody's return home from somewhere. And yet it opens with the most dark and ominous chord progression mm-hmm. of, of anything on the album. So it's almost such a contrast from what the lyri- the story the lyrics are telling us. Well, the second verse too uh, gets fucking, actually gets pretty grisly. Um, you know, they're dancing on the bones. I don't know if you've, uh, if you've looked at the lyrics lately, but take a look at the second verse. It's a little, uh, it's fucking sketchy. Uh, <laughs> now you have here, me wondering. Uh, well, here it is, the... I, if I may. Uh, Joe, would you love to scrapple? She'll never say no. Shine up the battle apple. We'll shake them all down tonight. We're going to mix in the street. Strike at the stroke of midnight. Dance on the bones till the girls say when. Pick up what's left by daylight when Josie comes home. So it's like they're gonna battle apple is slang for mace, like a mace, you know, that you use in battle. Yeah, sure. I don't mean to get weird on you. Sorry. Wow. I didn't <laughs> no, know that. But that's what we're here for. Well, that's <laughs> what I'm saying is like I really dug into Josie these last two days, and I'm like, what in the fuck is this? The second verse about? I just thought it was about like having a pajama party and shit, and then they're dancing on the bones. I'm like, okay. Wow. Not go to that party. Yeah. So, for, what did you go with, John? Yeah. So for my sleeper, I didn't go with a song actually, and uh, I was sort of inspired, Chris, by your use of the sleeper in our last episode with Leonard Cohen, where you you really went with a personnel member as the sleeper, and I I admired that. I and um, pioneer in the sleeper uh, the sleeper category. Come again? I'm sorry. I'm a real pioneer in the sleeper category. You are. Yes, you're the sleeper pioneer. Even boundaries. Yeah. So, as as you guys know, since my early 30s, I've had a strange and some might say unhealthy obsession with the Eagles. <laughs> uh, you know, I used to ridicule their music, and I used, and as a teenager, I'd make fun of Eagles fans, and I'd be like, you know. You guys have no taste. Why don't you listen to Bowie or New Order, Roxy Music? And, you know, I would liken them to the same people who claim that Shawshank Redemption was the best film ever made, right? Um, and then one day I woke up, I don't know, at like 30 years old, and I'm like, holy shit, I love the Eagles. I don't know why this happened. I, I can't tell you why. 
Um, so <laughs> really diving into Asia and reading the liner notes and reading up on the making of the album, I was so pleased to learn that Timothy B. Schmidt sings backup on three songs on the album. So he sings on the title track. He sings on Home At Last, which uh, is, is, is a, is a uh, solid song. And um, he sings backing vocals on Josie. So this gives Timmy a bit more credibility than just being the guy who joined the Eagles for one album in 79, a year before they split up. Uh, you know, sure, he was in Poco, but, you know, aside from Heart of the Night, does anyone really listen to Poco yeah. at all? Un <laughs> Poco. Un Poco, right. <laughs> so it, far more subtle than Michael McDonald's luxurious backing vocals, I think Schmidt adds a nice finesse to the song on which he sings. And uh, sure, he looks like Skeletor, but um, I, that's my sleeper moment. Timmy wow. Schmidt, just before he joins the Eagles, mm. just after he left Poco, joining uh, the ranks of Steely Dan for the spell. Oh, okay. I, I got to say, though, I do agree with you, Chris. I mean, that's definitely a – Home at Last is also, in my last few listenings, has been like, the, oh, yeah. I'm, it, it's kind of hard to beat the first four songs. I don't know. That's just, I don't know, one reporter's opinion, but probably most people's opinion. <laughs> Yeah. So, I, I, too original about it. I think there's something to it because the first four songs are like like a lot they're pretty intense too and then when you get to home at last it's like this great little breather you know mm-hmm. just kind of chill and especially a little more lighthearted. yeah yeah no it's it definitely uh yeah all right so then uh we're at the point now where i think we each have to do the big reveal uh we're going to talk about our zenith of, of Asia. Chris, why don't we start with you? What do you have? This is a tough one. Uh, I think there's, you know, like we talked about the, the first four songs on the album, uh, you, you could probably make a case for, for any of them, but, um, I ended up going with track number three, Deacon Blues. Great song. Um, I, you know, I, think this is about like a dude who's fantasizing about being a jazz musician um and he's like fantasizing about playing the saxophone and drinking scotch whiskey all night long and dying behind the wheel like a like a true rock star um but it's just great it's it's all the the movements are really great the musicianship if that's a word is fantastic just like the whole idea of this guy kind of fantasizing about the the jazz life and trying to trying to get into that. Um, so it was tough. It was between you know a couple other ones, but that's uh, that's Mazinus. I love the line. They call Alabama the Crimson Tide. Call me Deacon Blues. Yeah, it's such a weird line. Like that. It really is, and it's it's a phenomenal song. And you're right. It is so difficult to choose. Um, Although, and I guess this will segue into my zenith, because we'll, we'll, like Vanessa Williams said, we'll go and save the best for last. Jim, you can chime in at the end with your zenith. But um, this, it was actually easy for me, as much as I love almost every song on this album. Um, my favorite song on this album, and it's really hard to beat, is the, the lead-off, 
and that's Black Cow. Um, Great song. You know, Asia, the, the title track may in fact be the better song musically, but for me, Black Cow's always been my number one on this album, and it's probably in my top three Steely dance songs of all time. It's funky, sexy, infectious. Uh, it's got more than just a hint of disco in the music. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I love the trademark weird Steely Dan lyrics. Uh, <laughs> these are guys that would never write a straightforward song of love and loss. But I always got the, the feeling this is the song, uh, you know, this song finds the singer being a jilted lover, eyeing somewhat angrily his ex sitting up at the bar. And uh, interestingly enough, he references seeing the ex at a place called Rudy's. And I did some research. So Rudy's is a dive bar in Hell's Kitchen. I don't know if either of you guys knew this. Mm. Um, and Becker yeah. and Fagan used to hang out at Rudy's. Oh, wow. And I just, I, you know, I love the line, I don't care anymore why you run around, break away. Just when it seems so clear that it's over now, drink your big black cow and get out of here. And how many freaking hip-hop artists have sampled black cow? over the years. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. Some of the greats. Yeah, some of the greats. Most recently, 2004, Beyonce, in a remix of her song, Me, Myself, and I, samples Blackout all throughout. Wow. I was thinking more in the vein, I think, maybe this is the obvious choice, but of Lord Tariq and Peter Guns. Yes. Fall 1997 with uh, Uptown Baby. Ooh, that was yeah. that was a huge, huge. It hit. was huge. Yeah, no, I'm sure that they got, got to some buy some property with the money that they. Well, <laughs> and that's that what, sample money. That, that's what I was going to ask because if you're the artist who wrote the song and you get sampled, you get to see some some serious residuals, right? I mean, some some mm-hmm. royalty money. I think in a lot of cases, yeah. Yeah. I would imagine in Steely Dan's case, they did not allow that to go. I'm sure they did not. Uh, so finally, Jim, how about you? What is your zenith and why? Uh, um, well, I start. I, you know, I, I, I think I talked about it a little bit in the beginning, and I think it's going to be Peg because, um, I, you know, whatever. Like I, I think about those first. Just this is a theme that keeps coming up. Like the first four songs in the album. They're all really good, and they all, they all come from completely different places. Um, but I think Peg has a personal sentimental value as well, because mm. I remember, for some reason, it's the I think it's the first Steely Dan song I was ever truly aware of, and I like I remember hearing it on like a FM or maybe it was like an easy listening kind of a, a station at night in Scranton, in like the end of the eighties, and I would like hear like. And they would play it all the time at like the same time every night. And you'd hear like in the dark, I'm going to bed, but I would hear. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, this, I mean, this, you know, this is, I would say this would go on. It's one for about a, about a year. Um, not every single night, but I would hear it all the time. That was the only way that I would be able to fucking, and I didn't know who sang it. No one was ever like, Hey, that was Steely Dan with Peg. I would just hear. <laughs> and, and, and so I thought the song was called Pain. I thought the song was called Rain or like Jane. And, and like it took me a long time to figure to maybe I was an idiot, probably only a few years, like three or four years to figure out. I guess I was like 12 then. 
to to figure out that it was the fucking peg. But the song is so incredible on so many levels. The whole the whole way it was made with the throwing out of the guitarist, nobody could do it right. The one guy came in, he did it right. Uh, you got the guy that they said he was playing bass. They hated that he was slapping on the bass, and then he just turned his back and he slapped the bass. They loved it. Uh, that's Peg. So, you know, and then, it, it, I mean, it, I will say one thing about the whole album uh, is I've given it a listen, and I'm, I'm not an audiophile by any means. Like, I'll listen to something on, like, a shitty phone. I'm, like, really a terrible person in that regard. But I listen to this on some decent headphones, and holy shit. Like, there is just uh, all sorts of things coming left and right. Uh, this is, I'm definitely an audiophile because you can hear me hear me saying this. Uh, things left and right and all that technical shit. So, anyway, so Peg, Peg is the zenith, but I would say that, you know, the album as a whole is really, really fantastic. Although I don't think it's, I don't know if it's my favorite of theirs. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you, Jim, what what is your favorite Steely Dan? I think it might be the Royal Scam. Uh, which really? is weird. Uh, I, gr- I, and then I would say that's in a tie with like Gaucho. Uh, but Gaucho is more like the whole album as a concept is just so fucking, it like continues, I think on certain moments that you find in like Deacon Blues say that I think there are moments of Steely Dan that can be so depressing. Um, but yeah. those aren't my favorite moments necessarily, but you know, and I feel like Gaucho really invested in that and and royal scams just ridiculous with the hits too so i i read something online the other day that said that while asia is the most critically acclaimed steely dan album that most steely dan purists or steely dan files will say that royal scam is hands down the best album wow very interesting so what's what's on? Is that like uh, Kid Charlemagne? Is that yeah, yeah, Kid Charlemagne? Don't take me alive. Uh, I'm not trying to steal the Asia Thunder because I think there's much, much to be. It's fucking amazing. It's a fucking amazing album. Sure. Uh, but you know, but uh, there's there's also you know there's hits on other albums too. Of course. Hey, hey. And you know, Haitian Divorce really is a terrific song on on Royal Scam. Uh, everything you did, all that shit. All right, well, now we know next season, Chris. We're going to have to do uh, yeah. down the Royal Scamp. I was going to suggest Gaucho, but Jimmy's right. taking it in a totally different direction now. <laughs> well, I've got, I've got equal love for Gaucho, but it's on a different on a different uh, plane, I think. Right. Now, Chris, uh, any particular memories associated with the album? Pop culture references that you that come to mind when you hear any of the songs? A- a- anything in particular? Uh, nothing like personally, I, I didn't really get turned on to Steely Dan, I think till much later in life. Um, you know, except for a couple of like the, the big radio hits, you know, like, uh, a 19. Um, but, uh, so not necessarily personally, but I would say that there is the, this documentary about the making of this album and it's kind of fascinating to watch because, um, you know, the two of those guys, man, they're just like mad geniuses. Like they have them in the, in the studio at the controls and that like Jim, what you were saying with listening to it on headphones with all these different crazy sounds coming out of everywhere. And, you know, to listen to them talk about it and how they came up with these things. It's like, I, I don't know how, how, 
how you do that with so many like moving parts and to kind of envision how this thing as a whole is going to turn out. Uh, they're just super brilliant dudes. I do love that making of the album. I love the scene where they're playing the Michael McDonald isolated vocal overdub. Peg. Yeah, yeah. That was my <laughs> ring for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> was it really? <laughs> That's just incredible. And at one point, I think Donald Fagan just goes, sorry, Mike, because it was just so obnoxious, <laughs> the incessant repeated. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, what about you? Any particular memory? I mean, obviously, you told us the, the Scranton yeah, one. The uh, Scranton one, I think, is really the – that's the biggest standout. I mean, I think that just the – I feel like, yeah, I, 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 uh, that's the biggest standout. I don't think it can get any better than that. That's, that's yeah. like the first, that was like the indoctrination to Steely Dan. And I knew from Michael McDonald and, you know, you knew everyone loved, I mean, I always loved what a fool believes in stuff when I was a kid, but shit. Uh, yeah. That peg shit. And, and again, that was, I had like a religious experience about 10 minutes before I came on this podcast listening to peg on headphones and i was like what is happening here like you're everywhere michael yeah so this this will transition into my uh particular memory jim because i had a few different ones listed and a lot of it was hinging on what you were going to choose and so now i should hope that if your wife's listening that she doesn't divorce you because of this but uh one such memory i have uh is of a balmy may night in north carolina in 2016 and right your wedding reception Mm -hmm. and as you recall the months leading up to the wedding you and i would message back and forth and uh i knew you were gonna have some really interesting musical choices at your both your ceremony and your reception um not the least of which was when you guys cut the cake to tusk that was pretty amazing. <laughs> but uh, the DJ says, all right, ladies and gentlemen, everyone on the dance floor, this is the last song of the night. And, you know, usually you get like, what, Donna Summer, The Last Dance, or, you know, something like that. And he played Peg in the entire place. I think pretty much the entire reception was out there on the dance floor. And I, I just remember being out there and looking over at uh, a friend of ours, Best manager wedding, saying, "Wow, hey, interesting choice." <laughs> and and Dan, Dan just sort of looked over at me. He goes, "What do you want, man? It's Jimmy's wedding. It's a great effing song." And that was that was it. Such a wonderful memory. Well, it's funny that you that I almost did that, but then I was like, "Ah, nobody wants to fucking hear about my." But but but, but thank you. That's very nice of you to very nice of you to, to mention that. Yeah, and you want to hear something? Another a dark twist on that. Um, which that's a wonderful memory. Uh, and, and, and right before this, uh, I finished at some dinner and I went into a talk to my wife. We're still married, uh, four years later and, uh, things are going fine. <laughs> and, and I was like, you know, I'm going on John, John and Chris's podcast and I'm going to, uh, talk about, uh, a- Asia, uh, with the song Peg. And you know, you remember, honey. Uh, Pe- Peg was the last song they played at our wedding. And she was like, what? <laughs> that Was that the last song they played? At our- they played Tusk during the cake, but what? Oh, wow. And I was like, well, listen, I'm going to call a lawyer. Um, and I will, uh, 
No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But yeah, she she'd forgotten in the moment, and uh, and after I stopped crying, I, I came and I got on the podcast, and it was all good. I appreciate it. You've held it together incredibly well. Thank you. Thank um, you very much, <laughs> Jim. Well, while we're while we're staying with you here, how well do you feel that this album captures the cultural zeitgeist of the era? And I think you touched upon it early with kind of the early on in the Carter era and whatnot. I mean, what do, what do you think? You know, it's like, uh, like I said at the beginning, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're deep, deep in the seventies. You've got, uh, punk rock had already kind of been in the mix that had been out there. This is not, I mean, this was popular music, but I imagine it was loathed by, uh, by some, uh, but yeah, I think, I think it's, uh, you know, all these people were connected in some way, you know, like to Linda Ronstadt and to like, you know, the FM soundtrack, like all of those like Southern California artists, James Taylor, blah, 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 blah. So uh, I think it captures it. I think it does a pretty good job, John. Chris? I agree. Uh, Chris, what do you think? I don't know. Yeah, I think, I don't know. This album is, it does kind of sound like it's just a big party, you know, it's just. But a weird party, right? A big, weird, like, drug-fueled party, and that's that's the late 70s, right? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think, uh, for me, I think it does capture it, and musically it captures it. And I think Steely Dan, like no one before or since, could blend so many styles of music from that era, kind of mix it all together, and yet it, it sounds like some of those styles, but then it sounds like something entirely different, entirely new. And one thing I'll say for Steely Dan is there's been no band since then that sounds like them, if that makes any sense. Mm. Yeah. So, in closing, sense. Chris, perfect album, yes or no? Um, I, I think I'm going to say yes. I mean, I know that, you know, we mentioned the one song that none of us are really crazy about, but I think overall it's – it just flows so well, and I, I, I got to say yes. What do you guys think? Jim? Man, I think, you know, I, I wanted to just shit on I Got the News, like, and say, <laughs> you know, Asia is, nah, nah, nah. and I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at the track list for Asia, and I'm looking at the track list for the Royal Scam right now, and it's like, I feel like they're both, their last three albums, I feel like, are equal. Um, in some ways, I, I think uh, there's one song I kind of really hate on all of them, uh, and the rest of them are solid. Um, so I will say, I'm going to say, I'm going to agree, uh, despite my hatred of the one song. I think it is just, uh, yeah, I was going to say no, but I'm, I'm going to say yes. I don't know, because I'm feeling weak, I guess. Sometimes you need a little bit of hate in there, you know? It, it, I know, but I just, it's hard to hate it after listening, especially a few more times in the last few days. I'm just like, this is so fucking good. Right, right. But I mean, like, sometimes, like, sometimes even having a bad song in there can, like, I don't know, it doesn't affect, like, the album as a whole. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, that's, you know, that's, and that's the thing is, like, I was trying to, like, those last three songs, I think I was expecting to not, to, but I've, I've, I think I appreciate them even more. Um, as I rot and head towards death. So, what about you, John? I think hell yeah, it's a perfect album. You know, yeah. even with 
even with that one song that the three of us do not like, I still don't think it's that awful that it would affect my feeling of the rest on the uh, rest of the album. I mean, I'll deal with that that song. I mean, that's that's a breather for me. Um, mm. No, I think it's a perfect <laughs> album. Hands you down. can hide that shit on Spotify. You just like press a that's button right. now. It doesn't even have to exist. It's like Jim's Asia. Uh, with so, six songs. In closing, we all agree, perfect album, spot on. Uh, the musicianship that's there, the, the wacky out there lyrics, it really is something else. So listeners, do yourselves a favor and uh, give Steely Dan Asia a listen before summer's over. It'll really uh, put you in an interesting mood, that's for sure. And Jim, thank you for so much for joining us on the penultimate episode of season one. Dude, uh, congratulations. Please, congratulations. Thank you. We didn't think we'd make it. Jim, please come back in season two and uh, join us. You know we're doing uh, the uh, eponymous 1975 Fleetwood Mac album. Listen, man, I'm starting the deep work right now. And uh, <laughs> if you'll have me back, if the, the network doesn't uh, disapprove, uh, I'll be back. <laughs> Anytime. Be Anytime, Jimmy. Anytime. Anytime. Because I got my eye on world turning, let me tell you. Oh. <laughs> I got a lot of that problems with that song. Oh, yeah, I, go oh, with, oh, oh. I go with Warm Ways as, as the one that I find the most interesting, which is strange. Ooh. But um, okay. season for you. That's for next season. Uh, Chris, any final thoughts? Just great album. You know, give it a give it a few listens. I think it's an album that like it just gets better the more you listen to it. Agreed. Agreed. And that's it, folks. Join us for our next episode where we will round out season one with a little 80s new wave. Uh, more info to come soon. And, fellas, wonderful speaking with both of you. Great talking with you guys. So long. Take care.